Blog Talk Radio. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yesterday was Mother's Day, and we did it Corona style. I shouldn't say we because my mother is past, so I just, you know, memorialize my mama by just appreciating her, thinking about her. But, yeah, I, I didn't have to do anything like, you know, have a virtual meeting or go by people, go by a house and not be able to touch her. I heard that was kind of stressful on people, but... We're going to get into that. Nonetheless, happy Mother's Day. This is TNC Radio, where we will always be diving into open and depth conversations about dreams, determination, and dedication, and the journey taken to realize them, focusing on transitioning from one level to another, and recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter. Tonight, you have your co-host, A-Town, and your other co-host, Gypsy Star. And um, our special guest um, didn't work out, so tonight is I Love My Mother. 
And, you know, so we're going to talk about motherhood from all perspectives. Again, it's about moving to the next chapter. So this is going to be celebratory, and it's also going to be analytical. So, you know, first we're going to celebrate. We're going to do the good stuff, and then we get into the analytical. So, you know, Gypsy, say what you got to say. I said my piece. All right. Well, look here. I, I'm, I'm going to put it in uh, the not-so-nice terms take you out of college and take you to street college hey listen we everybody loved a mama everybody loves their mama and everybody you know they appreciate everything but we gonna talk about moms and ladies some of y'all may not like the second part because it may come with you know a foot to ask but if the if the high heel fit, if the stiletto fits you, but it's gonna also come with how to get better because this is still a part of the legacy series that we're doing. Okay, so there is a legacy that we have of fantastic mothers, but unfortunately, because of the history of mm, chattel slavery. We got and some other things that has gotten in the way. We got some work to do, and unfortunately, ladies, you guys haven't been examined as closely as 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 the rest of the community. But we gonna take the turn time to do that tonight because the family, as we've been saying all this time, is the true backbone of any community and if we can't get the family structure together we can't get the community together and with that let's get into some music for the mamas break it down gypsy what we got first and what we got second let's hit them with two good ones Mm. let's see let's see where I want to go first you know what? Um, before we get into the music, I want you to do me a favor. Okay. Is it going to hurt? No, it ain't going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. Oh, I want to I wanna do a real quick thing before we get into the mother thing. Because it's, uh, especially since we're dealing with legacy, it is very important uh, I'm a I'm DJ music head, and I have to let it be known. Hey man, uh, if you guys haven't heard, um, we lost three powerhouses in the music industry. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, on that, all in the same day, right? We lost Andre Harrell. Andre Harrell, there would be no Teddy Riley, Puff Daddy, Jodeci, Heavy D, Father MC, uh, um, Groove B. Chill, uh, Al B. Sure, Puff Daddy, everything that came after him that he had his hand in if it wasn't for Andre Harrell. So let's give it up for Andre Harrell. Also, yes, give it up for the late, great Betty Wright. Yes, 
Not Betty White, Betty Wright. Okay, those of y'all who may not know. <laughs> right, because, you know, I had to reread that when I read about it. I was like, wait, Betty White? No! Then I was like, oh, no, not Betty Betty Wright. If you guys aren't familiar with her, she made the song uh, Clean Up Woman. She was also part of that, uh, I believe. No, she wasn't part of that. Um, yeah, she did Clean Up Woman. That no, no, yeah, I was going to say she did. I was, I was going to say she was. I think she was also a part of that from his woman to you. But I think that was uh, Barbara Mason, and uh, it was like a trilogy of songs, like before R. Kelly did in the closet that epic twelve yeah. song opera, whatever. There was a song called uh, "She's Got Papers," and then it was. Basically, it was about a guy, Richard Dimples Field, and two women. He was messing around on his wife and his girlfriend. So, it, And the women came back and had conversations with each other. I'm not sure if Betty Wright was a part of that. Um, that escapes me at this time. But Betty Wright, her most famous song was Tonight the Night. As a matter of fact, uh, Snoop Dogg, who we referenced on the show before, also referenced her in one of his rhymes, you know, tonight's the night like Betty Wright and I'm chilling. Matter of fact, the first time we heard Snoop Dogg, that was on uh, the deep cover joint. Then lastly, and I held the best for absolute last, the architect, the innovator, the true king or queen, depending on how you want to phrase it, of rock and hey, roll. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Little Richard passed away. So. Um, Little Richard's legacy. He had Jimi Hendrix in his band. He had the Beatles. You know, if everybody talks about the Beatles, that that they was doing in their songs came from Little Richard. Okay, Little Richard. Um, had uh, he had the Rolling Stones as his opening act for a while. He had, uh, you know, he greatly influenced Prince. Um, Little Richard um, influenced everybody. As a matter of fact, that was one of the reasons why Michael Jackson bought the Beatles publishing because he found out in coupled with that publishing was Little Richard's publishing, and he gave it back to him for free. Okay, so that Little Richard—if you don't really know about him, Little Richard is absolutely that dude. He is probably more influential in music overall than James Brown. Okay. So go look it up. We lost a true, true great one over the weekend. But before, and, and but I wanted to get that out of the way. Hold up. But, and instead of doing a moment of silence, you know, we people of color, we're going to have a moment of applause for not their passing, of course, but for the, for the legacy, what they gave us and what they left behind for us to move on with. So this, this is... We love you, we appreciate you That's right 
So what we got for the mamas right now, man? What music we got? Let me know. Tell me something. Um, we got a good one, man. We got a good one. Uh, but before we give that out, would you please, please do the do the poem you wrote for your mom? Okay, it's called Shelter, and just give a. I, I, I know background is terrible, but. So what happens is this this is important for our, as a part of our legacy. When my mom passed, I wrote a poem about the day that I found out. And I realized that that's not how I wanted my mom to be remembered. And that's not how I wanted to remember finding out that she passed. So, you know, I wrote a poem about her passing. But then I was like, you know what? I want her legacy to be one that I tell about from the perspective of the child. And so I'm saying that and say, like, you know, still real long introductions of poems suck, but I'm saying in, in, in terms of process, let's not celebrate the negative or the painful. Let's process and remember the negative and the painful, but let's celebrate all of the wonderful stuff. So this poem is called Shelter, and it's in celebration <laughs> Excuse me, my mother. Two jobs, 14 hours a day, six days out of seven. Two children, seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One God, all day, every day. Sundays reserved for rest and praise. Some days in between raising hands and raising children. A few hours, a little sleep before cooking your baby something to eat. You found peace. Twice a month, child support that barely bought groceries, trying to figure out whether Next meal is coming from, and I'm like, Mom, can I have some of your food? I'm still hungry. Sure, baby. Tired lady with too much energy to be selfish. Selfishly works 17 more hours on spiritual sustenance, knowing that if she stays in the creative company long enough and his compassion, he'll feed her. No need to beg. Faith has always more than enough, even when there's no money in the bank. Cash and checks for it. Well with my soul, buying joy with no money down, down on your knees. No one sees you frown. Having this one special day of one child smile, even when tears swole your eyes shut, then made them boys call their daddy long distance every time they acted up, knowing that it takes a man to make men. But then you taught them that a woman can be their strength and their best friend when you caught hell and threw back heaven. Didn't know until I was almost 17 that we grew up not too far from poor. You said it wasn't for a child to know suffering if it could be helped. So you bore the burden on yourself, a year and a half between new clothes, watching TV with your baby instead of going to shows, using tissue needed to wipe your eyes to wipe my nose because that's the way love goes. Your story written on God's personal scroll. He's the only one you wanted to see it. And for this, the world will sing your praises on Judgment Day when everyone will see it. And I'll say, that's my mother. And I'll thank you for everything that you've done that I was ignorant of. The most precious jewel God ever created was a mother's love. I remember the suckle of garden nipple dripping ivory milk from onyx breast, the sapphire heart pumping ruby blood as you held to your chest and whispered diamonds in my ears to teach me that I was priceless, instilling by example that God is the answer no matter how bad life is. And yes, the world will try you, but with hard work and faith, they will have to kill you to deny you. And though you climbed high up that corporate ladder, you never got too high to be just mom. Whenever we needed you, or thought you should be ours exclusively. Nostalgic recollections of your record collection and you hand dance with me talking about no boy is four counts, not three. 
Then quick to yell, get off my son in football games. Mad that the other team tackled my brother and me. While other players asked, man, does anyone know who that crazy woman is in the stands? And me and my brother were like, yo, we don't know who she is, B, but for real. You were quick to say I love you, and I love the way you loved we because you loved your boys more than you loved yourself, and that's why you and no one else will always be our shelter. And that's it. That's all. So I wrote that for my mama. I love her, and I miss her. I know you're looking down on me, mama. I love you, I love you, I love you. Gypsy, what music we got? Because if you don't say something, I'm about to play whatever I want to. Gypsy! I think we lost Gypsy. Yeah, yo. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yo. Yeah, yo. Yeah. Help me. Yeah, yo.
In a world like today, it's a rare occasion to be able to see young mothers like the ones that were around when I grew up. But they live on in memory to quite a few of us. And this song is dedicated to those who cherish that memory. Early one Sunday morning Breakfast was on the table There was no time to eat She said to me Boy, hurry to Sunday school Lord of glory We learn the whole story She'll always have her dreams Despite the things This troubled world can bring Oh say Don't you know we love you sweet Daddy 
That song just makes me want to go to a family reunion and hug everybody. Is it just me? <laughs> oh, man, I almost forgot to unmute myself, man. I'm over here singing and crying and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, damn. That's, uh, I, that's one of my That's actually... Um. This was a very picking the music for this show was very difficult. Um, because do y'all know how many songs about mama there is? Like, I actually start going through music 
starting like last Monday night. Like I was starting on Tuesday. I start going through and looking for songs for the show. There are a ton of songs about Mama. So good, bad, or indifferent, everybody, everybody loves their mama. So, like, the songs that I picked are special to me. You know, if y'all don't like them, so what? <laughs> but they're special <laughs> to me in the sense of, like, yayo with Erica Badu, like, when she talks about, if you guys have the live album, plus the, you know, whole battle went on on Saturday. Um, when she talks about that, you know, she talks about how it's a Swahili word, and it's, you know, going back, and I figured that tied in with Legacy all day. Um, not to mention that um, it's one of my absolute favorite mom songs, and um, my wife actually loves that song and like my my daughter and my wife both love that song like that state like if I didn't get my wife nothing for Mother's Day but a CD with that on repeat she would have just I would have I would have still been all right like that's how much they love that song so um oh and shout out to my to my wife because her birthday was Saturday so happy Mother's Day and happy birthday um again uh, <laughs> So, yeah, and shout out to my mom, happy Mother's Day, and even to my son's mother, happy Mother's Day. Um, We don't always get along, but you did give me one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in life, and that's my son, so whatever. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to do that real quick before we got back into talking about moms and stuff. So, yeah, it's these are a lot, there's a lot of songs for Mama, and you know, Mama is just important. <laughs> mama is very important. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love my Mama. I miss my Mama. That was one of the most, when my Mama passed, that was one of the most and sad times that I, like, I never imagined losing my Mama. You know, it was just, it was wild, man, and so yeah, let me tell you something. So if your mama is here, yo, love her. Watch, I mean, and you shouldn't love her because she's going to be gone one day. It's just I'm saying this from this perspective. When my mama passed, I thought about all the times that I could have seen her, that I could have called her, that I didn't. And my relationship with my mom was great. Like, I talked to her because she, you know, we live in the same state. I talked to her on what, like, uh, Sunday, and she passed the following Friday, and I was just so glad <clears throat> that the last words that we said to each other were, I love you, you know what I'm saying, those are the last things that I heard my mother say, and the last thing she heard me say, but I, I, I did start counting up the time and realizing that if I had known that she was going to be gone so soon, I wouldn't have taken time for granted so much in that I or I get to her when I can or, you know, or there'll always be next week. There might not always be next week, 
But the main reason you want to chill with your mama and your daddy, but we're talking about mamas today, is because you love them and you don't realize till after that time is gone how much that time means. So understand how much the time means now and chill with your mama. You know what I'm saying? Love her to death, give her kisses and hugs, you know, and uh, change Sadie to her. <laughs> Word. And if you have um, any mom, if you have if you have any mama stories, you can call in at six four six 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 eight two five seven four. You know, um, that's the call in. We love to hear you. If your mother, we love to hear you. But um, right now, Gypsy man, get into it, bro. Uh, what? Tell me about your mama and your mama stories, and nothing that she could go to jail for. Because we both have mamas oh, like, that, you know, if they did what they did, they did today what they did in the past, our mamas would be known as inmate 5432. <laughs> I got to tell a story. Like, I, got, I, got, I got some mama stories. Because, see, I was a mischievous <laughs> child. Like, I was. Like, I would just do shit. Knowing that like it was going to cause a problem, but I wanted to do it, so I wait. I was like, "She's not really gonna kill me, I don't think." You know, <laughs> but so you know, it was, it was, it was. I, I was mischievous, man. So I, I got two great stories. Um, first one, and I'm gonna tell y'all, a real mother ain't worried about the state. Like, the state coming to get her real money. <laughs> she ain't worried about the state, the government, none of that. Like, they they don't care. Like, they just, I got something in the tank for their asses, too. So, they, <laughs> so, I did something. I don't even remember what I did. I was like five, I was like six, five, six years old. I was in kindergarten or something like that. And, you know, this is when 696 Kids, you know, first came out. And I did something that, you know, I was going to get whooped for. And I was bold. I told my mother, because my teacher told me that 696 Kids is, you know, what you call if your mom is beating you. Well, my mom whooping was more like a, a beating, so made sense to me. So I, I, you know, I stand flat-footed and bold in the living room. You can't beat me because I was told if you hit me, I can call 696 kids. <laughs> that shit don't work out if your mama black. <laughs> it really don't. Uh-oh. My bad. Okay. And, uh... Yeah. My mom said, oh, word? Really? Mm. Picked up the phone, called 696 Kids, told her her name, our address, put the phone down, and then proceeded to whoop my little ass. (laughs) And then made me get on the phone and tell that woman what I did to deserve to get my behind whooped. When I got on the phone and told her, the lady started laughing. To this day, I'm looking for that help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. 
And so, like, I did ignorant, <laughs> like, I did ridiculous stuff. Like, that was just out of the file of stupid. Then there was another incident. This is your favorite story, where my mom was like, I did something, again, more than likely worthy of, you know, getting beat. <laughs> and <laughs> I had just saw Roots, so I think I was, like, maybe in the eighth grade. Cause like I saw a reshowing of it, and my mother started whooping me, and I just started screaming, "Toby, Toby, my name is Toby." <laughs> my mother, I went. My mother tossed me one way and the belt the other, and just walked away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, if I could have been a fly on that wall. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> me and my mom have fun stories. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, what I, about I know. You? I, I, man, I got. I used to get in trouble so much. My mother asked me, "Was I having cries for attention?" And then I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, she was like, well, you just do so much to get beat for. I was wondering, like, if, if like, there was something going on that you need to talk about, you know, because you always doing something to get beat for. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then my dumb butt said, well, Mom, I never plan on getting caught. And then she beat me for that. <laughs> I'm like, no, this ain't crying for help. I just thought I was sick, sick enough to get away with it. But um, I think, oh, my goodness. I've done so much stupid stuff that, like, I, I, after talking with my kids, I'm like, you know what? I was worse than you growing up, and y'all working nerves. So I have to really give keys to my, my mama for not getting rid of me. Because yeah. after seeing y'all, I would have got rid of it. <laughs> and I was just like, like, oh my goodness. So this this is a good one. I, I know we talking about beatings, but it's just funny because now the culture is just so contrary to it. But the shit was funny back then. So, um, you know, I don't know about you, but my mom always be like, "Baby, I beat you because I love you, and this hurts me more than it hurts you." And so my mama always taught us to reason. She said, "Baby, you know, she wanted us to think." And she said, you can ask questions. Sometimes I'm going to answer them. Sometimes I'm not, depending on the question. Sometimes we're going to do stuff just because I tell you to do it. So I'm like, okay. So I really, I was really as a kid trying to figure this out. Like, when she hit me, it hurt me more, hurt her more than it hurt me. And then she hit me because she loved me. So, okay, you taught me to think. So I had questions. So the next time I got in trouble, I was just like, Mama, I have a question. She's like, what is it, baby? I said, if it hurt me, hurt you more than it hurt me when you spanked me, why you hit me so hard? <laughs> and then and then the ultimate one where I got my butt beat again, I was like, Mama, you said you beat me because you love me, right? She said, yeah. I said, well, I've made up my mind that it's okay that if you love me a little less. 
my mama was so infuriated. I was like, if you, if this, if you beat me because you love me, mom, it's okay if you love me a little less. And she looked at me like, I'm like, man, like now I'm an adult. I would be like, yo, six nine six kids, get this mug, because I'm like, and I threatened to call him. I, I threatened to call him on my mama. My mama was like, no, I threatened to call the police. And she was like, okay, you can call the police. She said, but um, you got to pack your stuff. I'm like, why? She said, because I don't live with nobody call the police on me. And then I'm like, so if I call the police, she said, yes, you got to leave. And she said, and when they get here, I'm going to beat you in front of them so they know why you called. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this ain't like the way it works on TV. Like on TV, like you <laughs> say, I'm going to call the police and you don't love me. You throw them a party, you give them stuff. It's like, you ain't watched the correct shows. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> let me give you a list of TV shows and episodes to watch so you understand how to react when your child throws a fit and says he's running away or you don't love him or something like that. So you, my mama didn't read the playbook straight up, but she was always there, man. And like I said in my poem, when I talked to mama, I talked to mom, I'm like, yeah, man, we always had something. And then she looked at me like, no, we didn't. And I'm like, but we ain't never miss a meal. She said, you didn't. She said, I did. And I'm just like, well, mama, how come you didn't, like, call people and ask for money? She said, baby, you my responsibility. And it was my responsibility to figure out how to feed you. You know what I'm saying? And my parents were divorced, and my dad was giving child support. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, when you got two growing boys with healthy-ass appetites, child support sometimes is, you know, that's candy money. And so, you right. know, when my mom struggled, when my mom struggled, like, you know, I literally asked her for my food, and my brother knew. I didn't. I mean, my mom's still hungry. She said, here, baby, and she would just clean up. And I thought she would eat something later. I didn't know that she, went, she wouldn't eat anything, be hungry, and then she would just eat the next morning when she got her breakfast or bought her lunch the next day. And my brother's like, couldn't eat mommy's food. I'm like, she said, I can have it. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> you, and when I asked her, you know, I'm little. You know, I'm like, I'm in elementary school. And when we got older, I said, I literally asked, we had a conversation. I said, Ma, how come you didn't tell me? She said, what were you going to do with 10, baby? Go get a job? She said, it's not a poor child to know suffering. If it can be helped, she said, you didn't know because there was nothing you can do about it and you didn't need to know. And I was like, wow. So that's my philosophy now. Like, my children know of want, like, you know, or money, like, hey, that's a little bit more expensive than that and the other. But my children don't know suffering. Like, if there is, if we low on food or something, they don't know. If I'm low on go get some, I don't know, and I got that from my mother. I got that from her teaching me, yo, children don't need to be knowing things about your financial situation, except like when they're doing stupid stuff like wasting money. Like, oh, ma, you know, can, can we have steak today? And then you buy a steak and throw it away. It's like, hold up, baby. No, we paid for that steak. And that's different than like, oh, baby, we don't know where we're getting our next meal from. And so that I, I got so much from my mother on how to parent. And how to co-parent, because even though my parents were divorced, I never heard either one of them say a negative word about each other. And every time my mother spanked us, 
he made us call our father because she was like, you need to know what's going on with them, and when they get in trouble, you need to know what they're doing. And then my dad would always ask that ominous question. You know, she would let us know that he was asking questions by her response. No, Freddie, you know, you don't have to come over here and get them. I got them. They're not being disrespectful. They're just being bad. And then he's like, okay. And so when we would know when she got quiet, he'd be whispering to her, tell him we're okay. Tell him we're okay. Tell him we're okay. Then you look at it, I was like, tell him we all good. I don't, don't say you need to come over. Like, please don't say you need to come over. She'd be like, call your father. We'd be like, you know, and this, my father worked, that was back in the day when you had long distance calling. But my father worked for the um, telephone company. So my father never had a bill his entire life. And so we'd be like, well, that's long distance. We don't want to run up dad's bill. He said, your father worked for the phone company. He don't pay no bill. Call him. <laughs> he was looking like, like, woman, you are mother. Why we got to call? But he was like, it's out of respect for your father. So I learned roles of relationships and that it's not about being a mother or a father and one-upping each other. It's about respecting each other's position as a mother and father. I mean, I learned all of that from my mom. And not, not to fight my dad, because my dad was on point too, but this is Mama's Day, so we're talking about what Mama did. But, you know, so right. my mother, man, you know, and I, and this is the biggest thing that I'm going to get off of because I'm talking a lot. We'll go back to you. It was when I was um, in college, and I was trying to figure something out, and I was like 19 or 20. And I called my mother, and I said, yo, Ma, I said, I need to know what to do. Y'all tell me what to do on this. And she said, babe, she said, I can't tell you what to do. Now, in a black family, a mama saying, I can't tell you what to do, you looking like, what'd you do with my mama? <laughs> Just like, like my, right, mama, my mama right. can't tell me what to do. Like, like you know, um, my even smoking something. Like, is everything okay? Do I need to know something? <laughs> And she said, no, baby, everything is fine. She said, but you a man now. And she said, as a man, I can't tell you what to do. I can just give you advice. So I can give you some suggestions, but what you do now, you are solely responsible for. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, you got mamas and daddies talking about you going to be my child forever. And said, I'm going to say, no, as an adult, I can no longer give you directions, baby. I can only give you suggestions. And that totally changed how I looked at adults and everybody else at that point because I'm just like, uh-uh. I'm past that point where I got to just follow or do because you say, now I can, you know, I can buck back. Like, no, nah, I, I want to modify that. I want to do this. But these are things that she taught me through our interactions. But when she said that, that actually made me, that actually changed my view of myself and my role in my life because at that point, I was still looking at myself as my mother and father's child, still up under them, still got to do what they say. My mom's like, no, baby, you're a man now. You got to handle this yourself. We can only give you suggestions. And at that point, I, I, I changed how I looked at my parents. I looked at them now as advisors and not authorities. You know what I'm saying? But I learned this from my mama. My mom was good. Margaret Marie Rucker. And it's, and it's ill because Right now, we got a female postmaster, and my mama was the first woman, and I believe the first black woman ever in line for postmaster general, but she retired. But this was back in 90, I think she retired in 92, no, 
She passed in 97. She retired in like 93 or 94. But when she retired, she was actually in line for Postmaster General. She was number three in the hierarchy in the country in the post office. But, you know, they, you know, she decided that she didn't want to wait it out. You know, and it was funny because they start pruning her for being the Postmaster General. And they start sending her around to these places. She was interim postmaster of Indiana. She was postmaster of Delaware. She was postmaster of Zanesville, Ohio, an MSC manager. So she was over post offices from Zanesville, Ohio, stretching toward Cleveland. And my mother was like, listen, why are y'all sending me all these places? And it's like, because you worked your way up to this level through management, and you've never been a postmaster. And then that will disqualify you if you've never been a postmaster of a smaller place, which is interesting because Trump just hired somebody who's never even worked for the post office to be postmaster. And my mother was like, well, why y'all doing all this? And it's funny because it deals with the politics. They're like, because you're most likely going to be postmaster general, and we don't want to have to overlook you based on your experience because everybody's going to equate it to the fact that you're a black woman and we didn't want you to do it. So they made her do that stuff. So if she got in line for Postmaster General, she would get confirmed. And so I'm, I'm just thinking, like, what life would have been like if she hadn't retired and she was Postmaster General. I don't know. When I got free stamps, I don't know. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, my mom put in some serious work, man. And, you know, her work ethic was, was the bomb. So I appreciate you, Mama, your work ethic, what you taught me, you know, how you – struggle even as a manager and, and a boss God, you showed me how to be black in America and be on top of your stuff so I miss you I love you and I know that you in heaven now and you can see all the super stuff I, I do forgive me I'm still your child and yeah and I'm still me okay Gypsy I know that was wrong yeah nah it's cool <laughs> man I mean Um, here's, here's the thing, man. Um, I'm not a part of that club, but you know, I've got, I've seen people go through that and be a part of that and, and, and enter into that club. Uh, publicly, we all witnessed Kanye West join that club and Kanye just lost his damn mind, you know, so much that, like, I mean, Carmen Sandiego and Waldo was playing, (laughs) playing keep away from that (laughs) Negro at this point. Like, (laughs) they are, I mean, he, he just lost it once his mom died, you know, and that was clearly the tipping point. I had a buddy of mine who lost his mom. And he just he 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 was never the same afterwards. So so to hear you talk about this um, in this manner, and to still be able to maintain your sanity and maintain the you know you you gonna miss her, but it, but maintain the love and respect and just lean on the lessons hard um, 
and then even be able to reference that without a lot of the other negative components that you see people buckling up under with that is just, you know, it's amazing. And it's also a testament to what she instilled in you. Cause there's a lot of people that's just, you know, mama gone. They just cuckoo for cocoa plus after that. Like, you know what I mean? Well, let me, so, let me throw on something real quick. It's going to be short. Cause I'm getting yours in. But when people ask me, am I going to be all right? And all this other kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. And they're like, well, how are you going to be so cool? I said, listen, it would be disrespectful to my mother if the work that she put in was rewarded by me dropping out. I'm like, that would be an insult. I said, if I gave up now, if I let all of this stuff that's going through my head about losing my mother and what it means, if I let that turn me into a vegetable, into somebody who just gave up on life, I believe that my mother would be the first person to petition God to come back to earth physically for 15 minutes to beat the crap out their child. I'm like, my mother... My mother be like, Lord, listen, I know I'm gone, but he he's acting stupid. I just need to go back and see him one last time because I need him to remember. And God would be like, you know what? You got 15 minutes. Catch him in the crib. Do your dirt. Come on back. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I couldn't I imagine it. Wait, did you just say God was sanctioned a drive-by ass whooping? Like yeah, I, yes, I, I just need I just needed to put that in context. <laughs> he would, he would. My mom would be like, "Listen, I need to go whip him one more good time because he didn't lost his mind." I mean, think about all the work that she put in, the two jobs, the going without food, the dropping gems in my ear, the teaching me, you know. And my mother was very. Because we're going to get into legacy and what it means to be a mother in the next hour. But my mother, she taught me all of this and instilled in me. How would I reward that by just giving up when she's gone? Like all that stuff she taught me, forget it. <laughs> I'm going to turn into, I'm going to turn into a misogynist, weak punk, and I'm going to live my life crying and groveling because she's gone. My mother would, my mother would smack the piss out of me. I'm <laughs> just like, so I told people, I'm like, I'm I'm doing this because I have to, because this is what the legacy of my mother demands. I'm like, it would be disrespectful to be anything else. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we do things in the name of people that they wouldn't want us to do. Like, you know, my brother gone, and, you know, um, I'll never forgive myself. I'm like, I bet you your brother forgives you. Do you, want, do you think your brother would want you walking around indebted him for the rest of your life and not doing anything with it? Well, no, then why are you down here doing it now? You know what I'm saying? And, and so that's, that's where we get. You know what I'm saying? And so you, you got to break that down. So that's the reason I'm not, man, because, you know, and, and, you know, and no slight to Kanye's mom, but I'm like this. When Kanye 
start losing his mind and acting that when she left. I'm like, that's disrespectful to her, her to her legacy. She didn't work all that hard for you to come out and lose your mind and turn into Jesus walking around, you know, getting gold statues of you. He wanted you to continue in what she raised you. And I could tell by the way that she was and the way that he was acting, you know, at one point that, you know, she instilled some stuff in him. I'm like, dude, get back to that. You know what I'm saying? Get off all of this mess that you want and act in accordance to the legacy. And that's what I tell people even in counseling. When they're like, oh, this person's gone, this person, I'm like, yo, that's what you want to do. What would this person say to you if they saw the way you were acting? Would they say, you know what, that's how I want you to react to my passing? Hell no. They'd be like, don't be blaming that crap on me. That ain't what I taught you. That's not what I instilled in you. So that's where, I, that's where I'm at with that. Me doing well, anything but succeed would be disrespectful to my mother. Well, my grandmother was that for me. I, my mom is still here. So my grandmother, you know, not to take away from my mom, but if my grandmother said it, my father's mother, if my grandmother said mm-hmm. it, it was like, you know, it was a, it was written on them stone tablets that Moses get, had. You know, it, it, it came. You know, hey, Shug said that. <laughs> who gonna who gonna tell me any different? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it was it was like that. And I'm gonna tell you, like, I was maybe like twenty. Uh. My grandmother died in 97, 98. I was, I was, I was about 23, 24 years old when she died. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I wasn't even that. Yeah. I was younger than that. I was about 20, about 22, 23, somewhere in there. And, uh, when she died, like, that was most people who pass away. I don't take it that hard. Like I'm like, all right, well, you know, I miss you, love you dearly. You know, not crying at your funeral. You know, Prince told me a long time ago, always cry for love, never cry for pain. Ain't got to do it. My grandmother died. I was like, man, fuck life. Like, you know, I was just like, nope, can't do it. I mean, like, seriously, like, I was living, I was back at home for a minute. So I was in my mom's basement. That's where, you know, my where I lived. And I, like, blacked out all the windows. I put blankets up on the windows. I didn't want to hear from nobody. I didn't want to see nobody. I listened to, like, uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow by uh, Lauren Hill and Tanya Blunt. We'll Meet Again by Black Street. Sometimes it snows in April and when the chariot comes. Like, that was my playlist for a week. And then it had to be, you know, it was just terrible because she died on Palm Sunday. So, like, you know, I thought my grandmother was, like, magical. <laughs> And I was looking yeah. for her to be sh- to show up on you know like yeah we we put you in, <laughs> I was looking be for like, her on be like, the Sunday, like 
right? Like, hey, uh, you are a nigga of sweet potato pie. Like, where you at? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was distraught. Like, I don't think I've been that distraught from anybody's passing uh, after that. And, like, a close second to that for me after my grandmother was my, when my uncle passed away. But I wasn't, you know, I, I, my grief, like, lasted, like, a year. <laughs> but, um, yes, but my grandmother, oh, man, y'all can tell, you can't tell me nothing about my grandmother. Like, nope, mm-mm, nope. She said it. Moses brought it down off the uh, <laughs> Moses brought it down on stone tablets. I don't give a damn what y'all saying. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> Grandma say. Grandma right. say. Right. Like, you know. It was one of them things, man. Like, you know, I I remember my grandmother was just you know, she was the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, everything to me. And you could not yeah. tell me, you know, nothing. Like, I remember when she she had to go to a nursing home uh, before she died. And I wouldn't, you know, none of the grandsons. And I'm like the baby grandson. Like, I'm the last one. And the the, the runt of the litter, like we had like goons, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> <laughs> As my cousins, like these these cats, like you know they goons. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it like that. And my aunt told me about maybe five years ago. She said, "Yeah, I knew every time you went to see her because out of everybody, you made them nervous." And I was like, "Why?" It was like because out of everybody, if she asked you to, you know, if she said, I don't want to be here, I want to go home. I said, oh, no, it wasn't nothing. You, 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 <laughs> gonna have to, you, you might you might tell the president to have to co- go get a coalition or something. And then you and then they need to go get four more people. <laughs> and yeah. then we can have a conversation. But other than that, oh, no, it's going down. So, you know, that's who my grandmother was to me. And I just, so I understand the heavy loss, but I think about, you know, I I think about the legacy that she left, you know, all throughout my family. Um, You know, it's to this day, I still, I teach my kids things that my grandmother taught me. So, It's always going to be imparted. But with that being said, let's play this third song and then get back to the ass-chewing portion of the night. So we're going to end the uh, (laughs) fine memories and all of that. What a way to end this middle part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Like I said, the views of this man ain't necessarily anybody else's views. And check it out. If you have anything to say about mothers, Good, bad, or indifferent. We would prefer that you come with a, a celebratory fact a, a or um, memory first, and then if you're going to be critical, but let's praise them first and then be critical second. 
So, you know, if you, if you have something that you want to say about mamas or your mama or being a mama, you know, because we want some mamas calling. We're supposed to have a mama on here, but plans got canceled. And so and I just found out yesterday. So didn't have time to really find somebody last minute to come on. So well, if you are a mother kind- and you listen, if you, if, you, if, you, if you are a mother and you're listening, call in at 646-668-2574. We'd love to hear from you as a mother. And if you had a mother, which is everybody who's alive, you know what I'm saying, whether or not she was present or not, that's different, but you got a mama, um, call in 646-668-2574. You're about to get into some music, and after that we'll come back with the second part of the session. So what are we about to listen to? I ain't telling you. And by the way, A-Town, if there's any consolation, you'll always be a mother to me. (laughs) (laughs) You are...
Yo, I dig that jam too. That is a tough cut right there. You know, I, I bugged out when I found out he was um, Roxy Roker's son. Because then I was like, well, wait a minute. Were you two married in real life and have any problems? And I'm just like, no, nah, I was young. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, yeah. it, it took. But at first, I didn't like Lenny Crack when he first came out. I ain't like him because he was dating my girl. <laughs> Lisa Bonet. But oh yeah, man! Like he was, yeah, he was, he he was. I I I was making plans to stab Romeo Blue. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> when that Joker messed up. And came out with it ain't over till it's over. I was like, mm, I don't want to like him, but so <laughs> it was just like, yeah, that's my cat. So he was my cat ever since that. So I didn't. I had to go back and like the first album because I didn't like him at first. Like they, I was like, I'll never like him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he got my woman. He messed up and made a hit, <laughs> and I love it. Right, so, and so <laughs> after that, I just rock with Lenny Kravitz forever. Like that's my dude. Yeah, he is. He that's is my cool. dude. But yeah, and um, so every let's, time let's, I let's do a let's, let's do a shout first. This is TNT Radio, the next chapter, Mother's Day edition on the D Hour Radio Network. If you want to call in. Talk about mamas on any level. You can call in at 646-668-2574. Tell us about your experience with your mama or your experience as a mama. Or mother, if we're being, you know, um, you know, grammatically correct. You know what I'm saying? Mother's <laughs> Day. Mama, because my house, we have mama, we have ma, we have mom, you know, because everybody was, we had, you know, at one point it was, my great-grandmother and my grandmother upstairs, and then it was my mama and my aunt and um, me and my brother and my cousins downstairs because it was two families. And so you had three mothers in there, so you can just say mom. So great-grandmother was ma, grandmother was mother, and then your mom was mom. And that's how you had You had mom, mother, and ma. There you go. So, you know, however you do it, shout out to you. Go ahead, D. Um, go ahead, um, Dizzy. I interrupted. Yeah. Nah, man. Like you know, that's just that's just dope. Well, we gave all the praises and the glory, and we still gonna give the praises and everything to moms. So this is a, isn't gonna be as harsh um, as it could be, but we will examine um, some things. Um, Sherazade Ali, 30 years ago, came out with a book. Um, and one of the things that she had stated uh, while she was touring and everything was, I believe the book was called The uh, Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. Yeah, that was it. And one of the things that she talked about, you know, and you can find some of these lectures on YouTube, uh, where she mentions that the black child and the black man has always been 
looked at, picked apart, scrutinized, and examined. But there has been little to no scrutiny or examination of the black woman. And it's high time that we do so. Now, she said this 30 years ago. The reason being is because there have been lies that we have been, that have been fed to our community and we continue to replicate and we continue to uh, espouse, such as the black woman is the backbone of the community. That is a lie. I'm sorry to tell you, sisters, it is a lie. The the community is not single-handedly on your shoulders. It does not automatically fall on you. The key to any society has always been the family unit and the family structure. Because of several things that have happened to Africans here in America, in the Americas, our family unit has been under attack more so than any other family unit in the history of this country. So, no, you're not the backbone. Sorry to tell you. You're just one piece of the vertebrae in that backbone. Okay? An important piece nonetheless. So, we want to kind of discuss that because we have a legacy of baby mamas and not wives or brides and not wives. We have baby mamas or I'm a mama to my child and not an actual mother. Again, if the Cinderella slipper fits, wear it. If it don't fit you, you may know somebody if you get past the emotional component of feeling some kind of way about what I'm saying to you, you may be able to sit back and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's, you know what, that's my girl so-and-so, or that may, you know, that sounds like my cousin. Let me go back and really take a look at this. He ain't lying. I don't like the fact that he's saying it. But, you know, what, what's, what's the real offense? Me saying it or the fact that it exists? So let's, let's do something to change it and, and, and get this thing on course. So with that being said, you want to uh, start off a turn? Well, the thing, well, the thing about it is um, I want to talk about joint accountability and responsibility. And... In motherhood, and I'm not speaking as a mother, I'm speaking as someone who has children with somebody who grew up under a mother. And one thing my mother taught me was role. And I think this is one of the biggest problems today in society, as far especially among black people, people of color. And it's even a stage and um, growing up, we, it, it's called identity versus role confusion. And role confusion is a big thing. 
see what happened is, you know, my mother, you know, bless her soul, I, I, I'm so grateful for my mother because my mother had no problem being brutally honest. Like she said, when she said, listen, you're grown now. I can only give you advice. I can't tell you what to do. But she was brutally honest, and she told me things from a perspective that most mothers won't say, and that if a man says them, a woman will straight up say, you're mansplaining, or you're doing this and that and the other. Where did you get that from? You know, you got that from some man. It's like, no, I got that from my mother. So one thing my mother taught me, she was like, baby, don't believe it when they're talking about women can raise men. She said, I've never been a man. I can never tell you what it is to be a man or how to be a man. She said, the only thing I can tell you is what a woman wants and expects from a man. But I can't tell you how to be something I never was. So you're going to have to learn that from your father or another man. But I can never, as you said, I can never teach you what it is to be a man because I'm not a man and I've never been a man. So if you're looking to find out manhood through me, it ain't happening. So when my mother and my father got divorced, my mother ended up moving to Chicago. We grew up in charge Church of God and Christ. And anybody who knows anything about Kojic, you Kojic for life. My mother abandoned the Kojic church because the church with the strongest men in it was a Baptist church. And later she told us, because we were like, you know, how can we didn't go to you know, Church of God in Christ? Even if they're driving in the city. She said, baby, when I, when I came, we didn't go to church with her at first because she didn't want us to get used to any church. And she went to multiple churches, and she picked the church that had the strongest male role models and the most exemplary men. She said, because now that your father can't be here, because he can't fly from Chicago to Cleveland, I mean Cleveland to Chicago every day and back, you need to be a constant male presence for you and your brother. And so she literally picked a church where we could be up under men since we weren't around our fathers. And so this is what I'm saying, ladies. Understand, you trying to teach a man how to be a man is like a plumber trying to teach an apprentice how to be an electrician. And not to say that the plumber doesn't know basic electricity and can teach them some basics of it. But you can't make a master electrician unless you're a master electrician. You can't make a master plumber unless you're a master plumber. So you can make a man who is slightly proficient and capable of doing many things. But to make a master man, you need a master man. Because, because as Amir Baraka said, the highest form of knowledge is youth. In other words, what, it's not about knowing of it. It's being able to do something with it. And he talked about a piano. He's like, you know, I know more about pianos probably more than most piano players because I can't play, but I was intrigued by it, so I read up on pianos. I, learned, I was learning theory and all of a sudden, where they built he said, so I probably could technically tell you more about a piano than a piano player. He said, but if you had to be stuck in a room for two or three hours with somebody 
and a piano, would you rather be there with someone who can tell you all about it or somebody who can play it? And if nobody can play it, but everybody can tell you what it is, what, 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 what use is it? What good is it? And so understand, you can only tell men what a woman expects from a man. You can tell, what a, tell a man what a woman sees from a female perspective when looking at a man. But since you've never been a man, you can't teach your son to be a man like I can't teach my daughter to be a woman. And I let my daughter know that I can teach you about what a man wants. I can teach you, look at you. I can teach you about how the world's going to look at you. But, you know, for other stuff, you need to look to your mother or another woman for that. Because I've never been a woman. So I can't tell you what it is to be a woman. I can't explain feeling things as a woman. Yeah, we can all talk about embarrassment or failure or guilt or whatever emotion or joy, but I can't tell you how to experience that or my experience with that as a woman. You know I mean, that? like, so, think, about, think, think about this, but remember when we were, worked at that group home and uh, yes, Miss Ellen, <laughs> right? Good old Snuffy. Mm-hmm. This woman did like <laughs> Snuffy. Snuff. Right. Good old <laughs> Snuffy. <laughs> She said, because, <laughs> um, like, I was the young Thundercat coming in the door, wanting to do stuff. And she said, and it was all teenage girls there. And she, you know, one day after work, just took the time to have a conversation with me you and Sam and she said something that just like completely resonated but it also changed my life and it also prepared me to have a daughter when she said hey you know what you're a guy and you got a bunch of these teenage girls running around she said your job is to show them manhood and two, show them how a man is to treat a woman yep. because they haven't had that. And when she said that, I looked and was like, oh, my God. Now, that was the last wise, I guess that was the exhaustion <laughs> of her wisdom at that point. But it was, it was, it was you know, snuffy had it completely correct and on point. And ever since then, I was like, wow, okay, so that's my job. But looking at um, my wife, you know, they will, you will end up, that old saying that you will end up ultimately with a woman that's a lot like your mother. Uh I was cursed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they got very similar traits um, But you will end up with that ultimately Because that's the person who nurtures the kid nur- Teaches and, and really is the first uh, teacher of the child in anything Okay, so 
women with male sons, that's exactly correct. You show us what a woman looks like, acts like, and then you can teach us what a man is supposed to do for a woman. But you cannot ultimately teach us about manhood. And that's one of the problems, unfortunately, that over the course of the last 40 to 50 years, the black male has been discounted to the point of he's not necessary in the family structure, which, which as we can see, is the detriment. And I go back to uh, Sherazad Ali's book, where she basically said, and Dr. Francis Chris Wellesley in the ISIS papers, she's, they both say pretty much the same thing, that, you know, there's going to be an effemination, effemination of black men. You know, Cam Newton in a damn carrying purse and with pearls, looking like Riley off of uh, the boondock. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, 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 you see that because a lot of dudes are indecisive, bitchy, chatty, all these things we associate with feminine traits. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. and, and, and women, unfortunately, y'all hate when we say this and we're not mansplaining, but you guys usually deal lead with your emotions and your feelings on something. That's not to be discounted, but it's to be complemented with logic and reason. Not saying that you guys can't think, but you feel things versus, okay, let me sit here and think this out all the way through and, and go all the way around. Go all the way ahead with it Okay This that and the other And then your curiosity And all of that stuff Get to Get to Overriding The logic And the reason And a lot of times That's why we Complement Each other You know what I mean So But you have But for the last 50 years Is You don't need a man You know Sisters you was oppressed And Oppressed from by who? <laughs> Damn sure wasn't us. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, <laughs> my sisters, yeah. you've been oppressed. When? To quote, and I mean, to quote your ex-wife. You know, white women was fighting to go out into the workforce. <laughs> Black women is fighting to come sit their asses down. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, black women think, been working uh, since the first nigga been kidnapped off the Congo. So let's not let's not yeah. get this thing twisted. <laughs> yeah, and and this is the thing about it. It's like going back to what you said. There's a um, proverb. I think it's Ghanaian. I'm not sure, but it says the downfall of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And so, like you said, the, the, the cornerstone of any society is the family. And inside that family, it is joint accountability and responsibility. 
No one person is the end-all, be-all. We are parts that fit together, that complement and supplement each other to make each other strong. So when we talk about the backbone of this and this, that, and the other, understand one that's monolithic because the backbone, it has its purpose, but the backbone ain't the arm. The backbone ain't the legs. The backbone is not like the mouth or the head or the brain. You know what I'm saying? So when we say the backbone, it's like, oh, we hold you up. I'm like, well, yeah, if you if you hold somebody up that's dead, what good is that? You know, you got the heart, the lungs, and the liver. I mean, like, you know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about oxygen? Like, so when we get in here trying to pick out body parts or body, bodily functions, biological functions, that gets into what I call comparative suffering and comparative politics. Am I more important than you? What do I do compared to what you do? It's not what we do compared to each other. I can't look at a tree and say I'm more important than you because I produce the carbon dioxide that you use. Just like a tree can't look at me and say, well, I'm more important because I produce the oxygen that you use. We are interdependent. We have a symbiotic relationship where we complement each other. I produce carbon dioxide, you produce oxygen, oxygen, we live. And if you look, everything in nature is interdependent and symbiotic. That is the ultimate and highest form of relationship. So anytime you step out of that realm and start creating these false dichotomies or these grandiose things like mansplaining, but I tell you the truth, I don't care what a woman thinks in regard to this. If you say mansplaining, right at this point, we ain't on the same intellectual level. Because you've codified some BS that is gender specific to try to overcompensate for what's happening to you that you try to then turn and put on men in the same fashion that you claim men are putting stereotypes and prescriptives and proscriptives um things on you. And so no, I, I, I can't I can't rock with that. Mansplaining to me is one of those dumb terms like overstanding. Like what the hell is overstanding? You know what I'm saying? It's just like get out of here with that mess. And so anything like I said, anything that you are doing, symbiosis, which basically is just interdependent, mutually beneficial relationships between one or more things, we're failing as a people. We're failing as human beings. And so we have to start teaching the gravity and value, importance, the the necessity of each other and highlighting the role, being truthful about what we can and can't do for with each other and to each other and begin building a, a, a healthy construct of what it is to be of the African diaspora. And, you know, I, I, you know, I say African-American after having no content on, like, just because you know, I fly to Italy, now I'm Italian. It's like, <laughs> like, gotcha. So people of African descent in America, we need to define, and as um, Ngoma said, there are codified, you know, 
culture and rules and stuff. It's just we got to bring all the books and stuff together and, and, and start studying them so we can have that common voice. But, you know, sisters, as women, you cannot preach division and then say that what you want is, is unity. You can't preach that a black man ain't nothing and then tell your black son he's something. Because what happens when you say that, what you teach him is his value is only in his childhood. And once he becomes a man, he becomes part of this no good group that has no value or meaning to you out of sexual pleasure. You know, man can't do nothing for me to get down. You know what I'm saying? I can make my own money. I can do this. And I don't even need him to raise him. Because when you say that you don't need a man to raise your child, what you're telling your son is, at, at the point you become a man, I don't even need you to raise you. You're not even necessary in your own raising. There's not, no one of your gender of this species is even needed to make you and to make you into a man. You are, you, your purpose is so fragile and, 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 and esoteric that I can raise you into you without having any other form of you around. You, your form is not even needed to perpetuate your kind. Naturally, that sounds fucked up. And so we have to stop sending these messages. Just like, you know, men need to stop sending messages about objectifying women and, you know, specific roles they play, like she only good for one thing. Both of those are counterproductive to balance symbiosis and interdependence. And we have to start building a holistic view of ourselves based off of mutual respect, necessity, and, 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 and just not survival living. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and we have to accept that responsibility. Like I said, you can't raise a man. You can raise a man to know what a man is, what a woman expects from a man and how a woman views a man. But unless you've been a man, you can never teach somebody how to do what you've never been. Because anything you say is just going to be opinion and conjecture. You never know if it's true because you've never done it. Or as Mary Baraka said, the highest form of knowledge is use. And that's, what, and that's my main thing. We got to stop having these dichotomies where, you know, we set up these monolithic roles for each other well, you're good for this and you're good for that and you can only do this and you can only do that and then call ourselves like, why can't we come together? We'll fight hell. If you got a bunch of parts on the floor and you don't know what part joins to what and how, how the hell are you going to build something? Oh, you got a bunch of parts on the floor. And as a people, as a whole, not saying everybody, but as a whole, as a total of people in America from the African of African descent, African diaspora, we just a bunch of parts on the floor right now. Unorganized and arguing about what each part is for and wondering why we can't build anything together. You know, and that's my thing. So, like I said, I love my mother. I love y'all to life. There's got to be joint accountability and responsibility. It has to be symbiosis and interdependence. If not, we're just fooling ourselves. Gibson? 
Yes, sir. You know, I mean, first off, let me say this because you was talking about words that just irritate your soul. Uh, besides mansplaining and overstand, let me add Shiro to the list because <laughs> God damn it. The word is heroin, it's in the fucking dictionary. Stop making the female version of hero. Stop making up shit. There. The fuck. Like, the word already exists. <laughs> right. You ain't got to make up some new shit to describe what's already there. I'm sorry. I just I <laughs> I like I hear stuff like that at like poetry venues or when people are talking on 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 like talk shows and shit and, and or or you know you know yes cuz you know she's my shero. Yes. Oh bitch, please. Like, you know, I just instantly I become <laughs> like <laughs> I become Ice Cube in like the early 90s. Oh, bitch, please. Like, you know, I I just no. It's just, it just irritates my, the marrow of my soul. Please stop doing it. That you know, <laughs> and I just had to I feel better now. Thank you. Yes, I've had <laughs> but I <laughs> I had to I had to say something about that one. That was just it ugh, just irritates the piss out of me. <laughs> so this is the DR Radio Network. This is TNC Radio, the Mother Day edition. We got about twenty minutes left. You know, we we talked in the first about the celebrated mothers, talking about um our stories, remembering our mothers. And basically since this is talking about the next chapter moving See that next level in your life Now we're talking about joint accountability And responsibility And things that you know we As men see you know Are things that you know women need to work on As mothers you know Especially when we only talk about In regards to us You know what I'm saying because That's that's our perspective But that's what we're talking about now If you have something to say You know it's late in the game You only got like 17 minutes to number 646 Six six eight two five seven four. Call and let your voice be heard, because we will keep talking. So go ahead and finish what you were saying, Jesse. Yeah, and please, we want to hear from. If there's any ladies out there who uh, think similarly or differently, please call in. Um, it is a Mother's Day show, and we are talking about things from a male perspective on how we see. What can happen to build the nation, the community, the family? And understand, and, and understand we did have a other schedule, but last-minute cancellation. So, you know, that's why we're doing it with just us. But we did have a mother plan to be here. So, you know, that's why we asked the mothers to call in, you know, because we did want to have some, a mother's perspective. So what we'll probably do is we'll probably continue this later you know, with from a mother's perspective with a mother on it. And this would just be like the male version of um, what we see as the legacy part of motherhood. And we hope that we can get a mother on to talk about that. But go ahead with what you were saying, Jesse. My bad for interrupting. Right. No, no, it's, it's all good. Um, so with that being said, I think one of the things that um, we have to look at 
um, we talked about how we got here and where we are going. Okay. For me, you know, if you just look back historically over the last 40, 50 years, um, I always go back to when we were quote unquote strongest. Commonly, that's what everybody thinks, like during the civil rights movement. That shit's a lie, but okay. Um, <laughs> when you saw those people out there marching, you actually saw families, entire families out there marching. Okay, black mother, father, sons, you know what I mean? Daughters. You saw that. It mm-hmm. wasn't just, you know, you saw boyfriend and girlfriend out there marching together. You know what I mean? Um, but in addition to that, once the 70s came around and the whole women's lib thing, we've already talked about how that infiltrated and got to telling, you know, black women they were oppressed. All of a sudden, there's a thing going, uh, good times. Good times taught you a lot about stuff. They snuck it in under the radar between the dynamites and all that shit. But there's an episode where they talked about uh, where James, this brother, could never get a really decent paying job. Once he got a decent paying job, that nigga died. <laughs> like, so <laughs> hilarious. Um, but there was this one thing where he had went down there went down to this job and it was supposed to be a good paying job and they tried to give it to his wife instead of him. And the reason why they tried to give it to her when they were out in the waiting room talking, they tried to give it to Florida instead of James Evans because Florida checked two boxes. She was a woman and she was black. Bing, 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 bing. And we get double the money. Because back in the day, when everybody talks their shit about affirmative action, but you got tax breaks on that. That's why you fill that part out on the job. Because the job gets tax breaks at one point in time for that. Now, she checked two boxes. So they was definitely trying to get her in, but she wouldn't undercut her husband. Now, um, the thing that's interesting about that is if you take that in a real life, that's one reason why sisters was getting jobs over brothers. And then you were looking at they're always telling the women uh okay, well, you're a girl and you can do this and you're, you know, you've been oppressed and you have to be four times as good because you're a woman, I am woman here, me roar. And what was told to black men, you ain't shit, you ain't this, you ain't this, you ain't that. You know, oh, you look, you look, you just like your daddy, you get on my nerves. And all of that shit would happen. So now you have women excelling and going further than the brothers in high disproportion, disproportionately 
high disproportionate numbers. So now that's where we are today. Okay, so that's how we got here. If you guys are not sure, right? Don't take my word mm-hmm. for it. Look it up. But that's how we got here to this day. Now, how do we get past that? One, each one of us has value. Like you said, each one of us has value. Each one of us has merit. Each one of us has, has worth. It's the 21st century. Hey, I'm in no way, shape, or form offended if my woman go out and work every day and bring home the bacon and I got to fry it up in the pan because my job is to take care of the kids like the lion and the serengeti and do other things because it helps the cogs in the machine run. Okay, you always have to figure out a way on how to figure something out and do it. You know what I mean? And that's Uh the way things ought to be. We have to stop being so dogmatic in our approach. Number one, it wasn't up until what? Last year, and I hate to say this, sister, to you sisters, it wasn't up until like what? Maybe five years ago that there was a black Disney princess so get that shit out your mind. That never applied to you in the first damn place. <laughs> that never, you know, my prince is going to come and he's going to take me away from everything. This, that, and other. No, my job is to make you feel like a princess. It's not to, it's not to alleviate you from any other kind of work or responsibility and let you get all the praises at the end of the day. No, baby, it don't work that way. Get mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. out your mind. And and to be truthful, at one point I did love the idea of kings and queens and all this other kind of stuff until I realized, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's a hierarchy and it's a dogma that has a piss poor ending. So, like, you know, I always ask some people, like, we were all kings and queens. I'm like, well, if everybody was a king and queen, what were you ruling, your living room? I'm like, you rule in the kitchen? Like, how you how you got ten kings in 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 one in one country? No, it's <laughs> one king, one queen, and everybody else is serving. And I'm like this, but when you say treat you like a king or queen, that makes me a respecter of persons. Like I'll treat a king or queen better than you. To me, wife and child are higher than king and queen. I will treat my wife and my children better than I will treat anybody, regardless of your position. Like, I'll acknowledge your position, be the judge, I'll stand up when you come in the room, this, that, and the other. But when it comes to treatment, oh, you got to give a damn. It's like, to me, those are they're so damn demeaning because it's saying that there's not enough worth in and of yourself to be treated in a way that you would treat somebody with royalty. I think the highest form of praise is to say that you as a person are deserving of the most respect and, and kind and gentle treatment that I can give a person without a title, without a position, without, without like a crown or a throne. You and you being you, 
makes you worthy of everything that I can possibly give in my life. So that king and queen junk, man, that, that junk, I used to think it was novel. You know, even in in um in the organization we have, Bonefire, we talk about descendants of king and queens, and now I'm like, you know what? Name a country that didn't have a king or queen, whether it was pharaoh, emperor, czar, whatever you want to call it. They were all forms of royal family. So everybody got a king and a queen. Shit's not special. What is special is saying, what is special is saying is there's no hierarchy of persons among you. And whether you're the lowest or highest in social or economic status, I will treat you with the utmost respect, praise, and honor because you're you. So fuck so, all that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, if a girl comes up to me, so like, me get this, like, like, I, I am I your queen? Straight. I'm like, no. Oh, go ahead. I want to get something straight. So when you get married, with that being said, when you get remarried, I can't sing, she's your. Queen to me. Now that's the difference. You don't want that because okay. coming to America is a state <laughs> where you have to keep your color card. So it will be a path understanding that is a cultural gesture to prove that you are an African, uh, an, an African, you are African descent in America, and you came over here on the boat. So we have to have that song. Right. We okay. understand. Okay. And metaphorical We are not really treating people like But she does have to be You know um, free from infection (laughs) 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 I'm I'm sorry I'm going there You can't bring something from America in this Oh my goodness When I say God Oh money God is oh money who am I to change tradition? I thought you were the king. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Royal so, Wipers? Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah. you can, Queen to be, yes, you can sing Queen to be because that is proof that you are an, uh, an African. In a, you are an African. You are an, you're an American. You know what I'm saying. You're of African descent in America. Yes. And, you, and, you, and your ancestors came over on the first boat and not the new one for the airplane. So, yes, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, I, so I still get okay. to sing it. Good. Good. Because I was just, I was wondering. Well, like, to piggyback yeah, on what it. you're saying, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, listen. For me, my wife and my daughter, they are little, little G, mind you. They are little goddesses in my world. Sometimes, now if you know anything about mythology, sometimes the gods and goddesses don't always get along, but they're still that. In my eyes I'm not looking at them As anything Less than Sometimes You know I just want to hug My wife's neck Real tight 
to show her how much I love her. But like as far as like like you said, like like the queen like, you know, oh a queen is listen, let's get something straight. If I was in the same room as the Queen of England, I may kick that bitch down a flight of steps. And I'm saying that for real because of what the royal crown has done globally to people. But I will res- but so I can't respect my wife in the same way because if somebody wants to be a king or queen, like you said, that's giving them carte blanche. If you understand how royalty thought, royalty did things just because they thought that God governed it that way and put them in the positions just to be as big as assholes if they choose to, that they choose to be. You had very few benevolent-ass kings and queens throughout history. So when you're – and I also understand why we start saying that shit, but come on now. Mm-mm. And even if you want to say kings and queens, Brother Jay and X-Clan said it best. Descendants of kings and queens are like jesters. Stop acting a damn fool and claim your crown. But we have the two-minute mark. So with that being said, we will be talking next week in regards to uh, keeping this legacy series going on. Who we got next week? We got Reggie Gibson. He is, um, if anybody who saw Love, Jones, um, the movie was based on his life. He is an award-winning poet. He's a national individual poetry fan champion. He, I think, now has his MFT and... Um, in creative writing, and he teaches—he's in the college belt in the Boston area, and he teaches and he performs. You can go to reggiegibson.com, and that's R-E-G-I-E um, Gibson, just like it sounds. Dot com, and then um, check him out. But we're going to be talking about, um, you know, poetry and art in the academic tradition, you know, and um, just you know. Art in general, because you know he's like you said he's spoken he's a um, national poetry slam champion. So, but basically, art, poetry, in the academic and literary tradition, and then also his perspective on the legacy of creativity and poetry. And of course, we're gonna clown him on Love Jones. So yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, so. Tune in next week because it's going to be extra ignorant. I'm telling y'all now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, that, though. Because in the words of my esteemed co-host, that Negro's family. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we me, me, me and Reggie are two people that when we get together, people don't want us in the same room again. <laughs> They're like, no, y'all too much when y'all get together. So it's going to be off the hook next week. You're going to have to bring your, your, your big boy and your big girl underwear and panties because it's about to get real. Honest, that is, real honest. So with that, going to send us out. This has been TNC Radio. And as always, y'all, keep your eyes on the sparrow. Yes, sir.
Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. 